I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. Everybody, it's Dean Jackson and Joe Polish, the Joe Polish. I love that. You know what? You would be uh, you'd be so happy tonight because I have right in front of me a bowl, and in this bowl is not chocolate covered anything or or anything bad or liquid kind of Satan or anything. I have some fresh, delicious grapes. Well, you know, there are some people that will actually argue that grapes aren't all that good for you. But well, you compared to like Cheerios like or compared to something else, I mean, I guess, you know, that's pretty good. Are they organic or are they like uh, pesticide-ridden grapes? <laughs> <laughs> they are organic, green, seedless grapes. They're fantastic. Oh, so there's those green, genetically modified organic grapes. I'm just messing with you. I don't. I don't. You, know, you have that's to poo-poo I'm everything. Glad that you're, I'm glad that you. You know, I was going to throwback. You know what? I, you know, I was doing a throwback. You know why I said that? Why is that? Because I was reading in the I Love Marketing Yearbook Volume One. Yeah. One of the episodes that started out with you talking about eating your organic blueberries. Oh, okay. So that's a little. Uh, so you're trying it's to a little throwback. No, it's a little good. throwback for the uh, for the regular listeners. Yeah. You know, they might recognize what was happening there. Well, according to the latest scientific research, blueberries are you know uh, probably a much better food to eat than grapes. Okay, but well, that being said, I think this is uh, this is an improvement. It's a step in the right direction, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, good. You know, so we're going like, to talk uh, about glycemic index and all kinds of other things. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the I Love My Blood Sugar episode. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. So all right. Well, now, so. All right. Well, quit messing around because I got important stuff to talk about. Okay. Tonight. Well, so none of this uh, quit your jibber jabber and right. let's get right down to business. Let's hit it. You're going to talk about crazy uh, results that uh, people have been getting using the uh, magic oh. word email. That's, well, that's part of it. And, you know, because I wanted, we haven't done an episode about email marketing in a long time, if ever. Okay. With exclusively about email. All right. So I think it'd probably be a good time for us to do that, especially on the heels of seeing all of these um, results that have been coming back here. You know what? You know, it's so so funny how people have discussions like, does anyone use direct mail anymore? I mean, does anyone still use email? You know, I mean, there's new things like Facebook and Twitter. and That's old school. Yeah, you know, Nobody does anyone... anymore. It's all texting, Joe. Yeah. It's all texting. It's all about the texting. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a little. Oh, wait. Um, I got to tell you something. I, I literally went and saw Jay Leno do a live uh, event last night. And I got backstage passes wow. because uh, I was uh, a cool that introduced like me that. to Bernard, took me down to Jay Leno's garage a few months ago. And uh, and, and so I, I had a meeting with Jay uh, backstage beforehand to see if I could, you know, get him to speak at one of the, uh, I want him to, to speak at the uh, 25K um, 
annual uh, meeting that we're doing this year, but it's he's filming during that time, so he can't actually speak at it during those dates, which which is a drag. But he was he part of his skit. He was talking about the uh, you know Steve Jobs um, you know biography, the the book, and um, uh, basically one of the last things that, that Steve was working on was a iPad where you actually like move your hands and, you know, from across, you don't have to touch it and it would actually, you know, do what you needed to do. And so he did this really funny skit where he said, you know, uh, like, could you imagine you, you, before technology, you knew who the crazy people were. They were the ones that were just kind of like, you know, they would be walking and they would be running, you know, moving their hands and making gestures and doing crazy shit. He's like, now you just never even know because someone, you know, before when you see someone with a Bluetooth, you know, they're t- they would be talking to themselves when Bluetooth first <laughs> came out. You thought they had right. Tourette's because they're like, you know, yelling and screaming. He goes, now you have all these people waving and, you know, you know, waving their arms back and forth and in circles and everything. You just never know what the hell's going on anymore with technology and i thought that was kind of amusing so my whole point behind all of that was that uh you know uh, email marketing a lot of people you know i think direct mail is the new thing like we i think we've talked about this on a past episode but that being said we have not done a whole episode just about this and so i want you to just i'm just going to sit back and listen you just talk the whole time because at the last episode i think i pretty much talked most of the time I think it set some kind of new record for the uh, ratio. It was perfect. Yeah. It was a pretty easy episode for me. It was. Yeah. You're yeah. you probably drinking and smoking and eating grapes. <laughs> drinking, smoking, and eating grapes. I like it. <laughs> That's funny. So let's let's. So do you ever get any email? Of course. I get way too much. I think email is like one of the uh, the the biggest annoyances on the planet, which, of course, the point behind saying that is – you know, for for the best uses of email is you can use it, just don't be used by it. Although I think most everyone is used by it, uh, if you even have it, uh, and if you're. Do you know what I heard the other day? What's that? I don't know what. I think it was Brendan who said that your email inbox is a fantastic tool for other people. To prioritize your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Brendan that said that? I, I, I've heard him say stuff similar to that, so I would very that's much perfect, say that's perfect, though, isn't it? Say. It's a perfect tool for other people to organize and prioritize your time. Right. Well, part of it is yeah. like, do you use it or do you get used by it? I mean, and if you're gonna if you're gonna have it, you're better off using it, you know, for your own benefit than being used by it. And certainly, you know, it's an awesome tool. See, see, every form of communication is awesome. I mean, you know, reading a book was awesome when books first came out. And part of it is, you know, what side of the what side are you on? Are you the one that's, you know, profiting from the use of it? Or are you just the one that's consuming it? Are you the one that's being bombarded by it? You know, and there, there was an old, uh, I can't even remember who said it, but, you know, uh, Denny Hatch, I heard Denny Hatch uh, talk about this quote. I don't think it was Denny Hatch's quote, but it was basically, uh, you know, you have to get through, you know, direct marketing, you have to get through with an offer that is so... Uh, get through the clutter with an offer, offer that is so interruptive that it keeps on interrupting until action is taken. And, and I mm-hmm. heard him say that before, you know, email was even, you know, existed, uh, you know, to most, you know, human beings. 
And today that same saying applies, you know, you have to get through the clutter with an offer that just makes sense, that's simple, that just speaks to the person and that sort of stuff. Right. And so, you know, part of the thing, and let's kind of begin right at the beginning here with the, um, with our discussion about email marketing, because I, I really do believe that it is the power tool. It is the tool for marketers if you use it properly. I mean, if you use it in the right way, if you use it like, like you can. And so often what I find is that people come into it with the wrong idea. They either try and get it to do too much or they're trying to do too much at once and they're not really using it um, in a way that capitalizes on the ability for email to be a tool for dialogue, a conversation. You really want to know that what you've got is the ability to have an interactive dialogue where different things happen depending on how the response goes. Now, we've talked before about some of the email things that that we do. We've talked about the, the amazing nine word email that revives dead leads. And I'll talk about that in a second. But what I want to know, or what I want to do is kind of talk about the psychology that is in play before you even push the send button and to really get that right, to understand what it is. And I often say to people, like, they don't know what they want it to do. They don't know what their objective is, you know? And so the most important thing is to really begin with the end in mind. Right. And beginning with the end in mind means knowing who is it that we're speaking to and what is it, what's the verb, what's the action, the outcome that we want to have happen as a result of sending this email and realizing what the opportunities are and what the limitations are of email marketing, of sending email in the first place. And so I always really like to think about the environment that's surrounding somebody checking their email. I mean, if you really think about it, if we begin with the end in mind, we begin with how it's going to actually be received. I mean, most people now, um, tend to, you know, check their email on their iPhone. They're checking it all the time. They're checking it on their iPad. They're, it's very, not very often that you can't reach somebody by email pretty um, quickly if you wanted to. I think even though people have aspirations of checking their email once a day or twice a day or three times a day, I don't think that's the reality for most people. Do you think so? What, what's your, what, what do you do with your email? You know, as much as I try to, I mean, where, where I am currently in my life, and this is always a, uh, an aspiration to, in an ideal world, I would have chunks of time where I would, uh, check email. I would have days that go by that I don't check it at all. 
you know, I'd be lying if I said I've been able to do any of those things really well. I mean, maybe for small periods of time. I mean, there, were, there was a period of time a couple of years ago where I literally went with uh, – I did not check email uh, for like a month. And it was like one of the hardest damn things I've ever had to do. I mean, on one hand, it was – extremely relieving. Um, but on the other, you know, the emails would go mm-hmm. to an assistant and they'd still get brought up to me, you know, printed out and stuff right. like that. So <clears> I'm really right. not checking it. And I mean, you know, so to, to answer your question, uh, I, you know, check it throughout the day and with, with an iPhone, uh, which I carry, um, there's that magnetic addictive force. And since I already have that sort of, uh, attic brain anyway, it's really hard for me to restrain. Uh, if I, if I go somewhere and don't want to check email, I just literally have to turn, uh, the phone off. Um, you know, so I'm not even drawn, but there, there is, there is a compulsive poltergeist that's built into electronic devices that just hijacks your brain. And makes you want to mm-hmm. look at these things. Now, to, gi- to give you another example of this, though, I, I wanted to do a test. <laughs> and I-, I-, I shouldn't even mention it, but I will because I think it's funny. I thought of the power of an irresistible offer. So, you know, before I went and saw, you know, Jay Leto uh, yesterday, uh, I sent an email to Richard Branson and also to Peter Diamandis. And I said, you know, I'm going to go meet with Jay Leto uh, tonight. Uh, do you want to be on the show? you have any interest in being on the show? Now, Richard, sometimes I'll send Richard an email and, you know, I won't hear back from him. You know, sometimes the same day. Other times it could be days and there'll be a couple times where depending on how busy he is, you know, he won't respond at all because he misses it or whatever. Uh, but I'll tell you, both of them responded back immediately. Uh, that, yes, yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd like to be on Jay Leto's show. And, uh, so what's funny is that with the right offer, no matter who they are, including billionaires, they will respond quickly if, exactly. if they're looking at it. But, you know, I, yeah. I said to Eunice, I go, you know what? Us marketers are so right about an irresistible offer. I mean, it doesn't matter who the person is. You just got to know. And it was a simple, short email, you know, like the magic word. Would you like to be on Jay Leto? I mean, so th- now, you know, when I talk to Jay, he's like, yeah, you know, have him contact our people, that sort of stuff. And, uh, but, you know, the, the thing is, it's just, you know, I think most people are constantly looking at their emails. And I, and we have a few friends, like you have Dan Kennedy who doesn't use email. At I all. know. Yeah. But, you know, never at all. Yeah. So, anyway, most people, though. Do you want to know something spooky? You want to know something spooky? What's that? Richard, would you like to be on Jay Leno? Is a nine word email. Let me see. Maybe there is something magic to nine words. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm sitting here counting with my fingers. This is how stupid I am. I mean, we're sitting here doing a podcast. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> but it is. It's nine words. I, mean, I, I get it, it right. You count the comma, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. That is funny. So yeah. it is pretty funny, but you are absolutely right. So let me ask you this. How long was it between when you sent that message to uh, Richard and he responded? Let me see. Do you want me to actually get the actual time? Hold on. Let me go. No, it does, I mean, just I ballpark. Was the, it the same day? Was it within an hour? No, I, it? It is, I think it's easily within an hour. Um, yeah, within an hour. I think. So I think. I'm going to try to go through it. I don't want to do it on my computer because it interrupts the recording. 
while we're doing it, but I might. Yeah, no, don't do that. I might be able to do it from my iPhone. I can check my email while we're talking about email. There we go. (laughs) But listen, the point is that it wasn't three days. Oh, no. It was literally almost instantaneously, right? Right. Okay, so you've stumbled on something there, that this is part of the thing. So there's one thing. Now, this is, is part of the really deep psychology of what's going on here, right? So the elements that make that work is he knows who you are, first off. Yeah, most people can't email Richard Branson because yeah. they don't have his email. And secondly, you know, if he doesn't know him, it's, you know, yeah, you got to you got to have rapport with him. It, it, Somehow you got his in, you got the email that he checks. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't even matter whether you know him or not. I'm sure the email that you have isn't the email that everybody in the world gets. No, no, it's his personal Richard email. Richard Branson. Yeah. Yeah. It's his personal email. And that's the thing. If you've got somebody's personal email, you have a very intimate connection to that person. And I say intimate meaning that you have, you are sort of have inside access, no matter what else is going on. I mean, no matter where he is, like you're, you know, you're saying this magnetic draw of checking your email of, of, um, you know, always seeing what's going on. He could be, with the queen and he's probably going to, what he slips into the bathroom or something has got his phone with him and is checking it while he's, uh, while he's out of their sight. You know, everybody's like that. That's what, that's what happens. So you have kind of intimate access to somebody. Now, when you look at your email, do you think at the time that he looked at that email, it was the only email in his inbox? No, there's probably Tons. No. So what happens when you scan through this? I mean, it's even more relevant that the email inbox is equally um, treated the same way as Gary Halbert talked about with people sorting their mail over the garbage can. Right. Right. The A pile and the B pile. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that what that, what happens there is it's the, I think that there's kind of like, um, three levels of it that are going on that people kind of, they skim their email because you get them, they come in bulk. I mean, you can't stop them. They come so fast. You maybe check your email and there's 20 new ones since the last time you checked, even if you're checking pretty often, you know? And so, most people now are using Gmail and probably don't delete emails. I don't, I don't ever, I don't really delete anything. Do you? Yeah. You know, I do. I actually switched back to uh outlook, believe it or not on a Mac, okay, so is, you, but yeah, we still yeah. have Gmail and I don't delete them. I, I started deleting it. That's one thing I couldn't stand about Gmail is like, I just kept them all and you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, 60,000 freaking emails. I think I, I love it because you never have to, uh, it's all, if, as long as you know, it's in there, you can find it, you know, search it. And I like that a lot, but the, so most people you get in the world, it's not really about deleting. It's not like you've got this, you know, backlog of emails all piling up on your computer, on your hard drive when it was like limited space and you had to delete your email so you could, you know, run one of your programs or something, or it's, it's not like that anymore. Well, speak, in the speak, cloud. For your, speak for yourself. Even my Gmail account is like at the limit. I would always have to go in and delete it because it would get so big. 
Oh, I bought some more storage. No, no, I mean, I so, bought yeah. the maximum storage oh. that they will even allow. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Currently. So it's not so much about the email being deleted. People are skimming the emails. They're, the, the big decision is really, you know, one of um, three things. Am I going to open this? Am I going to read this? Or am I going to respond to this? I think those are really the three things that you really want, right? The, the, that the only thing that's going on in the subject line and the from line is people making the decision of whether they're going to open it or not. Right. right. That's the only thing. <clears throat> yeah. So you look at it. Do you, And I don't know whether I read the subject line first or, or whether I read the um, who it's from. I think I read the subject line first and then I look over and see who it's from. And so if it's a subject line that looks like a personal email, like the equivalent of Gary Halbert's idea of a personal letter, that's going to get some um, that's going to get some great attention. Right. Um, if it's clearly a um, tagline or like teaser copy on the in the subject line, um, it's gonna get. It tips me off that I know it's not like somebody just sending it to me, right? Right. And if it comes from a company or it comes from, um, you know, a website as the the from line, I know that it's not a, a personal thing. And so you know that going into it, which ones you're going to scan. Like I'm looking, you know, you have kind of your A list, you got your personal um, emails, the your friends and associates and, um, you know, people that you would want to, um, that you're going to want to hear from or frequently hear from. And when you decide to open it, then the thing is, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to read it? You know, and when they, uh, when you look at like the first thing that you have to do is, you know, turn images on, or you have to, you know, click here if this image is, if this email is not displaying properly, all those things tip you off that this is not an email from a real, from a person to one person. Right. That's why when I look at these, it's like a never am sending graphic emails. And I say graph because sometimes I'll say I never send HTML emails, but they're actually, you know, you can send HTML coded emails, but not graphic emails that have, you know, pictures and logos and all that kind of stuff on them, you know, to get the, to get the most response. Um, Cause you know, you look at it when you preview the little, uh, the beginning of it, you can see that the first words are, you know, turn images on or whatever in the, uh, as the first words in the email, when you look at it in that preview window, right? that kind of lets people know that this is not a personal communication. And so when I, if you just look at those first two things, if you look at the emails that you actually respond to, they're going to be emails that are from somebody that you know, from somebody that you are, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised to have a, a dialogue from. 
or even if it is somebody that's asking you a question, a question is really one of those magnetic things that sort of demands some attention. You know, you have to kind of, it, it's, you have to willfully decide to ignore somebody if you're not going to answer a question, if all of those other things fall into place. You know, like you think about the emails that you send to people that you know. Emails that we send back and forth are very rarely more than, than you know, two or three lines because they're utility, right? They're sending something or they're, you know, you're expecting a reply. And so when I look at these, the, the elements that I have discovered are, that are the winning formula for email are to send emails that are short, personal, and expecting a reply. And if you can get those three elements in the email, you have something that's almost has the potential to be magical. And uh, it's really interesting. Um, you know, Joe, um, our friend Kim White in from Austria. Yep. And when uh, we were doing our um, email um, for the I Love Marketing conference, so the I sent out an email to subscribers that had just their first name in the subject line. Now, if you see an email like that, that's that's going to get your attention, right? That's something, that's an email that is um, going to kind of draw your eyes. It's proven when they do all kinds of studies that your name, when you see it in print or when you see it in email, your eyes dilate and you're gravitated towards it, right? When It's kind of like when you hear your name, but when you see it, they've done all kinds of eye tracking surveys that show that your eyes actually are attracted to it and your eyes dilate. You, you kind of, it's almost like getting those little squirts of dopamine that there's something that this is, that's me. You have that identity to it. Now you, it doesn't have to just be their, their name, but something that is going to get their attention in a personal way. But when I sent out that email, I sent it out and the subject line was just Kim. And then the email itself was just a simple email. Hi, Kim. Are you planning on coming to the I Love Marketing Conference next month? Dean, do you remember when we sent out those emails? Yes, right? That yes. was all it was. Yeah. And then that was the end of the email. And, you know, Kim responded and said that he wasn't going to be able to because he was in Austria and, and whatever else. But when I saw him... Um, I saw him a few weeks later uh, when we were in Toronto. I think you were there too. And um, he said to me, you know, that email that you sent, was that a, <laughs> he said, at first, I thought that was like a personal email to me, but he had to come up and confirm with me that it was a broadcast email because he, you know, started looked back at it and saw, you know, just kind of piecing it together that, yeah, I guess this was an autoresponder, but the immediate thing, his immediate thought and the words that he said to me was that the energy of that email was very different than other emails that you get. And Kim for, you know, we should probably describe what Kim does, but um, Kim is an energy worker 
And is that what you would call him? What, how would you describe what he does? Well, uh, Dan Sullivan refers to him as a spiritual plumber. Spiritual plumber. That's right. So, <laughs> but what does that mean? And, you know, I, I have no idea. You know, no. But he, yeah. Well, Dan's, Dan. I mean, Dan has shared. Um, you know, he talks about Kim that you know there any kind of bad energy. You know how when you have um, some relationship with people or some something or somebody is just kind of like um, irks you or something. You know, it's just some negative energy around it where you've got some kind of. Um, you know, you're in some kind of argument or you're in, you've got some kind of, um, um, negative energy around yeah. that animosity, relationship. you know, like and, sort of like what, how we, sh- what we share with each other outside of doing this, I love marketing podcast. Yeah. Often, often right. there's that. I've <laughs> thought about calling Kim a couple of times, but so what Kim will do is he can, uh, work with you and he can sort of remove that energy, which is pretty, it's almost like, uh, Dan is uh, just incredibly um, a fan of him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great. And he talks about him all the time. So for him as an energy worker to say, there's something about, because we had a whole discussion then about the energy of the email. And I think that part of it is that the energy of an email like that is that my intention, my pure intention from that email is that I wanted it to feel like an email from one person to one person. And I truly did want it to be an email from me to them, a personal email. And I say that because even though you're sending out an email to thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, they're only being read one person at a time. And so often people in the language that they use, the way that they word the email, the the tone of the email is very speaking to a group. It's speaking to, you know, it's kind of broadcasting or announcing. It's the difference between getting up on stage and presenting your email to the entire room versus taking somebody aside in the hall and having the communication with them one person at a time. That is a very big distinction. And you don't have to um, think about, you don't have to use email as a broadcast tool. Now, sometimes it makes sense because often we send out broadcasts where we um, all just want to get a message out to everybody. Not every email needs to be short, personal, and expecting a reply. Sometimes sending out emails for the purpose of communicating information to a group is great. And that's what really makes the short, personal, and expecting reply emails so powerful is that you sparingly use them when it's your intention, when you really want that to happen, when you want somebody to respond to something, when you want them to take an individual action at the highest rates possible, you have to communicate with them one person at a time. And so 
when I asked you, I'm, you know, sharing these behind the scenes things of how your email works, of what you do when you're checking your email and really kind of like painting the picture, you know, getting the environment of how people engage with their email. We're, we're doing it alone. Nobody is like, hey, everybody, let's gather around and check my email. I mean, that's not the way people do email. Right. You know, they don't check it in a group and nobody, nobody prints them off and reads them aloud to the groups. Hey, everybody, I got another one. Listen to this one. I mean, it's, that's not the way that we interact with email. And it sounds funny when I say it like that, but that, you know, you got to imagine that that's often the way people are writing their email. They're writing it as if people are going to be gathering around and having it read to them. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, let me ask you a question. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll probably yeah. talk to this, but I want to make sure we bring it up. Um, is when you're sending out emails, I don't even, and it, it, I'm sure it changes, and I don't even know. Um, the unsubscribe, um, how, mm -hmm. what is, do you know the legalities on that? Like when you're sending out well, there's Well, you always have the unsubscribe. You, you have to, um, but there, you, what you don't have to do is make it the – um, the prominent thing, it's always there. It's always there. And you're not trying to hide it or you're not trying to, um, mask it or not include it. You, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But what, when you're looking at the email, there's nothing wrong with having, um, you know, a little separation between your, your message and the, um, unsubscribe portion of the email. And you can do that. I mean, there's lots of different things that you can do where you are um, making your message the prominent thing. And so I'm, I'm saying this because I want to be really careful with the way that I say it. I'm not the only person that you should be sending email to in the first place is somebody who has invited you to send it by sending it to an opt-in list, somebody who has asked for something or somebody who has voluntarily given you permission to email them. You know, right. You're, we're not talking about scraping emails or, um, you know, doing things like, um, you know, compiled lists and all that kind of stuff, all, all the other kind of, um, spammy kind of things, you know, things that are, um, where you, you have a context for communicating with them. And that's why, you know, um, a smaller list of people who actually want to hear from you is far more powerful than a, you know, a giant list of, of people whose emails you've captured or or scraped somehow you know well so my question going back like say someone only has you know they're brand new in business they have 10 clients i mean yes do, do you know to what how many do you you know you see you're going to send a personal email versus you, you put it into a database and start you know sending it that way be it you know infusion right. or aweber constant contact or salesforce or you know whatever um, mm -hmm. so all clients, all of those, right. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, do you even, do you have a rule of thumb of, cause certainly sending something to someone that knows you, that's a personal individual email, you know, onesie twosie mm -hmm. versus even doing a group, 
you're you're increasing your chances of a heart response. Oh, absolutely, you are. Now, you know, here's the thing: is that I I would always recommend using um, using an autoresponder or a, you know an email um, broadcaster. You know, so but I, the way I think about it is that I use the tool to do what I would do if I could count on me to do it. You know, I, I don't think about it as an, um, I think about it that I'm sending one email to 25,000 people instead of sending, you know, no, it's the other way around. <laughs> what I'm thinking that I'm sending one email to 25,000 individuals, you know, right. rather than sending one email to a group of 25,000 people. Okay. Well, I just when's think the last about time you that... sent 25,000 emails to a single person? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for your birthday next year. Right. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> that is comedy. That's that's very funny. That's why you never want. But I think about it that I'm sending I'm through. sending one email and I'm writing the email as if it's only one person who's going to be reading it. And that's why when I I go through all of this stuff, I mean, it sounds like we're um, we haven't even really gotten to the the content of the emails and what's the best language and what's the best thing to say because so much of it if you can get these things right if you can you know get the psychology of why those emails work so well and why you should um send short personal expecting reply emails it's going to make the emails that you write so much more powerful you know yeah I totally know. Yeah. That's... Okay, good. So, and I, I just think it's perfect that you sent a nine-word email to Richard Branson and Peter Diamandis and got response in less than an hour. It's it, But that's exactly how it works. And that's why, you know, a guy whose, you know, <laughs> business is, is energy is saying how that email had the energy and intention of it being a personal email. And this is not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy your first time. I mean, even though words, those emails are very short, I'll often spend a lot of time wordsmithing those emails. And, you know, it, it takes time to make an email seem like you just sat down and fired it off. Well, you know, and by the way, I, like one of, one of the things that I want to be careful of is that making the assumption that someone that's listening to this right now has already heard our past episodes, including where we talked about, you know, everything. I mean, you know, you, you, we had one episode where you first introduced the nine word email, uh, the magic right. nine word email, and they can find that. And go, yeah. Let me tell that story real quick, because that's where I want people to understand where, what the context of email is too. And when I'm talking about email marketing things, um, I'm talking about a before unit email and typically those emails are sent to people who are sitting in profit activator number three, educate and motivate. Right. You've, you've gone through the work and you've identified your, your target market, your single target market in profit activator one. You've done 
whatever it is that you're going to do to compel them to identify themselves. This is where you're going to compel them to come to a landing page and leave their name and their email for whatever it is you're offering. You're going to then have this pool of people who are now sitting in Profit Activator number three, which is where all the gold is in your before unit. This is where it all happens because once you gather those people there, now you can patiently and systematically educate and motivate them to do something when they're ready at their own pace, at their time. So you can, you can do so much. I mean, you can communicate with people. You can educate them. You can, uh, you know, send every week some kind of valuable updates to them. You can um, invite them to come and listen to your podcast every week. And those are all part of the education process, you know, where you're kind of giving them valuable content. You're, you're adding value to them. And then when it comes time for you to make an offer, for you to take the lead and to initiate something where you are um, going to lead somebody to, a, you know, a, a better outcome, you know, that, that's good for them. And that you are, you know where it is that you want them to go. You know what your, what your offer is. So um, when you, when I look at it, I mean, I'll give you some examples of it, right? So um, for the, for real estate buyers, there's a couple of examples. We'll do things like we'll run um, AdWord ads on Google every time somebody searches for real estate in Winter Haven or homes for sale in Winter Haven or uh, any of those things that somebody who would be looking for a home would do. And we compel them to come to the um, come to the website. And when they get there, they see all of these things that they can get free inside, more inside, and they choose to leave their name and their email address. Now, that's profit activator number two at work. We've compelled them to identify themselves. We've taken an invisible prospect and we've made them visible. And now all of those email addresses that we have, everybody who has come to the site and left their name and their email address is sitting there waiting for us to um, start that education and motivation process in Profit Activator number three. So the, the way that we use email to do that is that every single week we send them a market watch newsletter, an email with all of the new listings that have come on the market in the last week with links to they can, where they can see all of those properties with, um, little dialogue where uh, Julie Matthews is talking about the types of homes that she's showing, the people that she's working with right now, maybe highlighting a property that she has seen, and then making an offer on that email. We talk about how we know that what we want people to do, where we know what that what buyers are going to want to do is they're either going to be driven by um, they want to go look at homes and we've got an offer for them, or they're going to want to, um, get 
their financing all straightened out, know what that's all about. Some people are motivated by that before they want to go look at homes. And some people may just want to um, know what the prices are and what's what's going on, you know, what the um what they can get for their money. So we know every single week in those emails, we're including our super signature, which is a um, in the PS or below the PS of the email, the offers that you have for people to take advantage of. So if we know that they either want to look at homes, we don't want them to have to take the initiative and say, um, hey, would you show me some homes? Because nobody likes to take initiative. So we make it, we make an offer. We say, join us for a daily tour of homes. We do tours of homes every day at 10 o'clock and one o'clock. If you'd like to uh, join us, just click here. That's it's a great way to see um, homes in any uh, area in Winter Haven and people click on that and they pick the tour time and they they join right in because we're crystal clear on what we want them to do. And the reason that we're able to make that offer is because we know what they want. Right. We've thought through what their next step is. They want to look at homes, but they don't want to go. They don't want you to go out of your way. So we make it seem like they can just jump on this tour. Some people may want to know um, what, how much they can afford, but they're afraid to get a pre-approval. So, because pre-approval sounds scary, it sounds like they're gonna, you know, your approval is going to be put into question. So we position that and we talk about a free home loan report, which sounds like it's already done, or it sounds like it's. There's a voyeuristic element to it where I'm going to get to see all of this information. It's not that I'm being examined. It's that I'm now getting access to examine all of these loans. So we talk about the home loan report like a, um, you know, we monitor hundreds of loan programs all across the country to find the lowest interest rate loans, the lowest total cost loans, the lowest payment loans, and we put all that together and put our findings together in our free home loan report. And, you know, people click and they can read about that and sign up for the home loan report because it sounds like it's already going on. Some people may be just getting started and they don't know yet what they can get for their money. So we offer the free guide to Winter Haven real estate prices with pictures and profiles and maps and community information, all the stuff that somebody would want uh, to know about Winter Haven, and they're happy that somebody has taken the time to do this. So we make all these offers in that super signature, but each week when we send out the Market Watch email, we're highlighting one of them. So we might say, after we say, um, you know, it's been a busy week in Winter Haven, here's uh, some of the new homes that I got a chance to look at, here's the links for all the new homes that have come on the market in the last week, and if you're going to be in town this week and you'd like to look at some homes, we do daily tours of homes at 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. It's easy to join us. Just click here, pick the tour time that you want, and we'll do all the rest. And that's really a very like um, simple type of email formula for sending an educational email every week. Now, it's clear because we use a little... Um, 
we use language at the top that kind of shows that this is the, uh, you know, market watch report and it's got all the, the date and from Winter Haven and the weather and all that kind of lead in stuff. So people are clear that it is a, it has a, um, newsletter feel to it. It doesn't feel like I'm the only one getting this email. But if we send that out to you today, and then tomorrow we send you an email that is an RE of that email that I sent you and includes that email that I sent you yesterday, but at the very top of it asks you a simple question and says, hi, Joe, are you an investor or are you looking for a house to live in? Julie, that is a very simple email that gets incredible response. Now, the reason is because it seems like this email is only intended for me, and it absolutely is. It absolutely is only intended for you, even though 2,500 people are getting that email. Right. It, it doesn't matter how many people get it. It's how many people are reading it at once, right? And so people respond to that email. Now, the, the, it's short. It's personal. It's expecting a reply. And if you send emails like that, you are going to get more response than you've ever gotten to any emails that you've ever sent. But that's not the end of it. It's not just about sending out an email that gets people to respond. Now you have to skillfully, like a chess master, know where this is headed. You have to know what the end game is. You have to know what's going to happen when somebody replies to that email. And the reason that it's so responsive is that it's not immediately clear where that's going. It's not, we're not solving the mystery for them. I'm not saying, hey, Joe, are you an investor or are you looking for a house to live in? Because if you're an investor, then I would recommend that you blah, 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 blah. I've solved the mystery for you. And so part of getting people to respond is knowing that you're not going to solve the mystery yet and know that you're going to engineer the situation so that you know what to reply no matter what they reply. So when you send out an email like that and people say, yes, I, I am an investor. Now, we know that 95% of the people that get that email are not investors. They're looking for a house. But of all the questions that you could ask somebody, and I mean, I spent a lot of time and still do spend a lot of time thinking and crafting emails that are really um engineered to, to get the most response, but to get a purposeful response, to get a response that I know is going to lead somewhere. And almost like um, there's an element to maybe what attorneys would do in, in um, questioning witnesses or do it, you know, there's different kinds of questions that are, are you know, in examination and cross-examination that they ask a line of questioning 
and knowing that it's not just the one question that they're going to ask, but they're asking a question that the answer to it is going to determine what the next question is. And if you can patiently engineer something that will get to where you want to go in three moves, then you're really onto something. That's what we're really looking at. And the value of being able to sort these type of things. I mean, I, you know, I look at it that part of the, one of the types of questions that we ask is, is a sorting question where this or that, are you an investor or are you looking for a house to live in? That kind of um, question is going to get one or the other type of response. We did this with um, Vince Del Monte asking people, are you looking to lose fat or gain muscle? Sorting. We're sorting people into that because if people come to a fitness site, you don't know what their, um, what their intention is, but you can find out, right? What would be valuable for you to, uh, to know? What, how do you want to steer that question? And then no matter do, what I people... A, I want to do a test as list that says, are you looking to lose muscle and gain fat? And just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the... That, actually, yeah, I'll text Vince. I'll get him to test that. Put that in the queue. Yeah. I, I, I'm just curious as to how that would... Are you looking out. to lose muscle or gain fat? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. Yeah, that was even better than mine. Just, I mean, but see, the subtle differences was is what makes all the difference. Yeah, little hinges swing like, big yeah. doors. Yeah, it's my ten thousand hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, continue on. Okay. And you know what I've so, always noticed? Like, I'm always the timekeeper of these damn podcasts. I mean, you you never like say, oh, you know, we're, we're you know, being respectful of all of our lists. I mean, you don't you don't go there. I mean, you you spout out. All I do. These you know why I do it? Ideas, but you don't care about anyone's time on this free podcast that no one's paying us for. <laughs> well, listen. I mean, I know that we've been talking for fifty three minutes and twenty seconds right now. Thirty three seconds, and uh, I'm fully aware of the time. Okay, and I just don't feel a need to like take their time to tell them what the time is. <laughs> I'd rather add value. No, I got you. Well, you got about a little yeah. less than seven minutes to add some serious value here. And I might go long. What do you think of that? Well, that won't work for me because I got, I got dinner. Well, it won't work for you because you now, oh, okay. Well, then we'll try and do it in seven minutes for you. <laughs> go for it. And then everybody will be, they'll know that uh, it was you that caused them to not get the full answer here. No, no. So, I mean, you know, if, if you can think that through, right, knowing that that dialogue method of email is going to get the, the most response that you're really going to like get, um, I want to know from each individual person. Like I almost get to the point where, you know, you wonder, um, like it's not uncommon to send emails that get, 60 plus percent response because you've sent it to one very specific person from one person, you know, where you're, it's, it's, um, there's something powerful about that. 
but knowing where that's going to go. So when, you know, if you take that example from, um, from the realtors, you know, if, if they respond that they're an investor, now you can go down that whole investor line of questioning, you know, where you can say, perfect. Are you looking to buy and hold or something to flip and, or to fix and flip? So now you're in, you're asking, you're asking another sorting question, something that's going to kind of get them down that path, you know, where you're getting into a dialogue with them. And part of the reason I think that people respond to those emails so much is often even just morbid curiosity to see, is this really a personal email? Like, are they real? Is this, even if they think in the back of the mind, this might be an autoresponder? or is this person really sending it to me right. that when you send the second reply that was an intelligent response based on what they responded to the first question, now you've got their attention because now they feel like, Oh, this really is live. This is really somebody. And what you'll find is that after about three or four of those emails where you're kind of going back and forth like this, you'll get what I call the love letter. And the love letter is the email where they just tell you everything that you need to know or that everything that they want you to know, because they now feel like they have the ear of somebody who cares and somebody who is in a position to really help them. So if somebody is asking somebody going down that path as an investor, Perfect. Are you looking for, are you looking to buy and hold or, or fix and flip? And they'll say, well, yeah, we're looking to, uh, we're looking for deals to fix and flip. Perfect. Have you seen this one and this one? Um, you know, we now are suggesting things to them. You know, now you're saying, here's, uh, you know, you're demonstrating your expertise in that. And it just so happens that Julie is a, uh, She's an investor herself and buys and flips a lot of homes. So she knows the homes that are best suited for that. She can point them out, point them in the right direction like that. And now people will give you their feedback on that and start to say, well, yeah, that, that one right there might be something. Here's what we're really looking for. And now you're completely engaged in a dialogue with somebody who just a couple of hours ago was just a number, an email on a list of people getting all of these weekly updates, right? Where they're going to everybody. They're just sitting in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I already know we're going to have to do another episode on this. I mean, I can already is there, tell. Is there, I can't any other, in, is there any other choice? I mean, at this point. I can't wrap it up in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Here's how we're, we've got a cliffhanger episode, yeah. Joe. I mean, this. So, uh, what I let let's tie this one together, though, because here's what I want people to take away from this episode is to realize and and when they're approaching email marketing, to understand and really um, strive to use it as a tool that it's absolutely best suited for, which is 
dialogue, communication. And I often, you know, I, I painted that picture of where are you when you get your email and, you know, how, how we go through and sort our emails and everybody can relate to that about how people actually interact with their email and what they're going to do with it. And knowing that the first thing they have to do is get it um, to get it opened. You know, they have to click on it to, to actually see the email and then you want them to take that next step. And that when you understand what that next step is, you can um, be completely focused on just that result. What's the one thing? I often, I mean, this is going to sound, this is so ridiculous, but this is actually how I explain it and, and think to people is I say to people, imagine if you were a powerful wizard and you had the power to just get, anybody to do anything you suggested. And you could just type it in invisible ink and whatever they saw, they would just do what you say. So you could literally in the subject line say, reopen this email and people would open it. And when they get to the next thing, you say, click on this link and they would click on that link or answer this question or whatever it is that you want them to do. And really there's only two things that you can get them to do right on an email that is perfectly suited for. You can get them to click on a link or hit reply. Those are the real, those are the two actions that you want with an email. And most people, if you were to look at their email, you would crystal clearly see that they don't have any idea what the purpose is of that email, why they're sending it, what, what it is that they want them to do. And, you know, when they realize that you're not going to convince somebody to, um, you know, they say, well, I want people to buy, but really, are they going to buy right from that email? You want them to go somewhere and they're going to buy from that page. That's where your buy button is. That's where your shopping cart is, right? So, it's not about sending your web page to them through email. It's about getting them and compelling them to come to your web page. Right, right. We're at one minute over. Can I can I tell one more story? Yeah, go for it. So here's an example of that. Perfect example. Um, we um, do a uh, the postcard guys in Sarasota that do all my postcard mailings. And um, we have a program together called Getting Listings Sold. And we send out emails. We get all of the data of all of the new listings that come on the market. And um, they were sending emails to these people that were HTML, beautiful graphic emails, sending and explaining to people who they were and, and, um, you know, all the, the experience that they had in postcards and presenting the whole case for people to, to, um, buy postcards right from the email. And they, they were, you know, they track and test everything beautifully. So they're testing and tracking and they had three emails that they were split testing. And one of them, you know, they were happy because they had gone from 3% click through to 5% click through on the, uh, with this new email. And so I came in and we crafted a, an email that gets over 30% click through. And then 
if they don't click, we send it again and it gets another 30%. And so we're over 50% of the people who we send these emails to to click on the email. And all we did, Joe, was imagine that we're sending one email to one person. So if you're a real estate agent and you get a new listing, let's say you listed 22 Greystone and you go to bed and then you wake up in the morning and you're checking your email and in the subject line of one of those emails are just the words 22 Greystone. That's going to jump to your attention, right? Because it could be somebody inquiring about your new listing. That's what it could be. It's certainly about 22 Greystone. And you're all excited about it because you just got that new listing. Now, instead of when you click on that email, having this beautiful HTML um, graphic loaded email and presenting a whole case for sending just listed postcards, all we did, I wrote just a very short email and said, hi, Joe. I put together some marketing ideas for 22 Greystone. Take a look and let me know what you think. And then we put a link that said 22 Greystone and signed it Ramona, which is who was sending and who would be responding to those emails. And that email now immediately went from 5% click-through to over 30% click-through because it had all of those elements and used the dynamics that are going on when people are reading their email. What more? Could I got you so ask much for? more. I got so much more to say. No, We're no, we have to do another what, episode. What more could someone even? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> but when you think about it, you know, if you <laughs> if you know what it is, like I know when I say to you, if you were a powerful wizard. You know, what would you put in the subject line? The only thing that matters in the subject line is, you know, open this email. Right. That's really the essence of what it is. So what are that's the naked truth of what you want that subject line to say. And you'd probably get more people to open an email that said, you know, open this email than some of the subject lines that we see. Right. Yeah, and you <laughs> Even know if you just overtly said it. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Open yeah. this email. But real the trick quickly. is not to just use those words, open this email. What you want to do is what are the most compelling words that are going to get that result? That's the only purpose of the subject line. Open this email. And then when they get it, you want to know what is the outcome. Do you want somebody to respond? And if you want them to respond, then you ask them a question. Do you want them to go to a another website you want to click on a link then you just say whatever you need to say whatever they would find compelling all cheese to click on that link yeah yeah totally awesome well and and one thing too is and you need to be congruent on what it is you're saying like i've seen for instance right. you know we use the jay leno example to to branson uh, and there, I've seen some people that will send out emails in the subject line like, you know, want to be on Oprah from people that have never been on Oprah and that have no, you know, possibility of getting somebody on Oprah. And so part of it is to, you know, you want to be congruent with what it is that you're doing too because there are ways that you can say things that will get people to obviously respond. But you, you want to – You're follow. absolutely right. Yeah. You, you're, you're absolutely right. 
let's start the next episode with that. Want to be an Oprah? Okay, cool. And so um, what I will also say since I talked about Leno, uh, the the show is awesome. It was way better than what I even expected it to be. And he's a really hardworking dude. And the big takeaway that I got is a business lesson is, you know, here's a guy that, you know, according to Wikipedia, I don't know, he makes like 25 million a year on, uh, you know, the, the Tonight Show and he makes another 20 million yeah. doing stand up. And from seeing him, I think he's missed like two shows in 17 or 20 years or whatever since he's been on uh, because he was sick. Uh, I mean, like the guy is so consistent and he's such a, you know, just a professional at that. And um, it's interesting to read his Wikipedia page. But basically, um, the big takeaway is that, you know, he's always performing to keep himself sharp. Uh, even when he doesn't need to. And, he, and he's figured out how to make his performances be almost equal to the money he makes from his real job on The Tonight Show. And, mm-hmm. and it really made me think about, you know, you're talking about learning this and being a wizard. The, the fact is, you know, what we're delivering <laughs> to people, you know, if we charge it $1,000 per episode – it would be worth it. And because what we're sharing has made millions and millions of dollars uh, for people on uh, through our podcast. And so part of it is, you know, taking the time to really be the chess master that you're talking about. I mean, this is going to require you to not only hear these ideas, but actually put them into place. Uh, and, you know, if you listen to our podcast on a weekly basis, just taking one thing from it and doing one thing new every week or adding one thing to your already existing, you know, strategy and marketing plan and marketing process is just going to continue to make it better. But it is consistency. I mean, you have to really continually keep looking at it because marketing is really uh, psychology uh, applied in a certain way and math. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a behavioral psychology and math and that's what produces profits and results as it, as you apply it to a business. But, you know, Uh I mean, even the magic nine word email would work for online dating if someone wanted to get dates. Uh It works for anything. I mean, I got so much more uh, stuff. So let next time uh, uh, we'll, share more about it. But I think this is um, a good start. Yeah, that's it. All right. So I'm going to go to dinner. Uh, we've, uh, you know, we've now gone over time, so we've not been respectful in any, anyone's time. So can't ask for a refund because it's a free podcast, but what do you do, right? Well, you know what? We went short a little last week, so this will be uh, this is this will make up for it. Okay, and if you're brand new to our podcast, welcome to the club. I love marketing.com. If you're listening on iTunes, go to the website. You can download our free report, Breakthrough DNA. And if you've already read our report, Breakthrough DNA, forty-two times, it isn't going to hurt you to read it another forty-three times. Amen. I don't even know if that made sense, but that's it. All right, it you does. Done? Perfect. Okay. Bye. Yes. Bye.